John chapter 12. I'm reading from the New King James Version. John chapter 12. Amen. <laughs> John chapter 12. We're at an interesting time in the kingdom of God. We have a lot of managers, but very few leaders. People who want to play both ends against the middle, not really sure where they want to go because they don't know who they'll need later. So they're afraid to be all of one thing. So they're half of two things and no good for either thing. God is looking for somebody in your generation to step up to the plate and say, whatever it costs, whatever it takes, Lord, get the glory. The Bible says that the whole earth would be filled with his glory. What does it mean for the whole earth to be filled with his glory? What does God want? Does he want applause? Does he want accolades? Is God insecure? Certainly not. God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need anything. For That's why he is the all-sufficient God. He is omniscient, omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere, all things. He knows all things and doesn't just know all things. He knows all things at once. There is nothing that has ever occurred to God. He's so brilliant. He has all knowledge at one time. He can access it at any moment. He can be here and there and back there and over there at the same time because he is the author and finisher of our faith. He wrote our story backwards for us to live it forwards. God who knows the end from the beginning. And so he wrote your story with the end in mind first, which means there's nothing in your life that has caught God off guard. That needs to encourage you because the devil will mess with you because of your humanity and say that you are not worthy of the calling that God has given you. You didn't create you, so you can't uncall you. I need a five second praise break. Five, four, three. For people who don't know what a praise break is, it's when you just set it off for five seconds for no reason. You can high five, you can do a jumping jack, you can fist bump your neighbor, but somebody is gonna give God a five second crazy set it off praise right now. There is nothing about your life that has caught God off guard, Tarek, so I don't have to worry about what the enemy says because God put the provision of the blood throughout my life because he knew what I would do before I would do it. God has never been looking at my life and be like, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Holy Spirit, did you see it? No, sir. I didn't see it, Father. I didn't know he was going to do that. I was going to go down there and check on him. Nothing has ever caught God off guard. But the enemy wants you to live in a lesser version of who you are so you don't maximize the calling on your life and produce the glory that you were intended to create. How in the world could God make anything mediocre? You can only produce that which you are. And since God is not average, there's nothing about you that's average. You might be living what you think is an average life, but your life is not average. God is just holding you back. He's not holding you back because he doesn't love you. He's holding you back because he's preparing you. But sometimes preparation hurts because you see other people and what looks like they're going forward. And you're like, but God, I tithe and I pray and I serve and I've been, I've been living holy. And how she get a man? She nasty. I don't understand. I've been serving you.
But God's not just giving you a man, he's giving you purpose. Because the last thing you need is somebody just to, to ease the temporary loneliness. What you need is somebody that can pray you out from brokenness and push the anointing that's in you to the next level. And that's covenant, that's not dating. I don't need another date, I need a covenant. I need somebody that can fight for me, that can intercede for me. I need somebody that will expand. I'm trying to help somebody. God is looking for a generation that will trust him. In a postmodern society of moral relativism and secular humanism, where faith is a dinosaur, God is looking for some young folk that are unafraid to say, yeah, I love Jesus, so what? Yeah, he's real, he's real to me. My faith is not up for debate. I'm not here to try to convince you, live how you want, but you will not talk me down from my Jesus. Is there anybody that's got just a little bit of edge? Because I'm tired of being told to be quiet about Jesus. Tired that I have to whisper my Jesus. Now I can cuss real loud, but I gotta whisper my Jesus. No, you wanna be loud about your devil? I'm gonna be louder about my Jesus. Give Jesus a 15 second loud praise. God is looking for someone who will be obedient. <laughs> Everybody's like, God, I'll go wherever you send me until it's somewhere unpopular. <laughs> I'll say amen myself. <laughs> but here's what I've learned. Obedience brings the audience. And when you're obedient to the voice of the Lord, sometimes he will ask you to do things that don't make sense. I'm sure there were many Old Testament prophets. Are you sure you want me to say that to him? <laughs> we talk about them now because they said yes to God in an inconvenient time. The greatest tragedy in faith today is not unbelief. <laughs> it's, it's stagnation. We're afraid to move forward because we don't want to be disliked. We live in a season of artificial thumbs up, and when you see a whole bunch of people like a photo, somehow that validates who you are. And it was a photo that was retouched 17 times before you even posted it, so it's not even an accurate representation of the truth. And God's like, why do you need them to like you when I created you in my image? John chapter 12, Jesus is speaking with his disciples, verse 20. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Somebody say glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. 
He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again, 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 again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said, it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus was minding his business, preparing himself spiritually and mentally for a cross that did not belong to him, but he took it so it would not belong to you and I. And as he's preparing, some Greeks show up and they want to have a conversation. And then his disciples come to him and he just, he doesn't even honor the request. He totally ignores the request. And then he begins to declare a spiritual truth. And at the end, he says, Father, glorify your name. And all of a sudden, out of heaven, a voice says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. So there was a conversation that started in the earth that heaven was listening to, and then heaven hollered back. And I want to preach from the subject heading, you can say that again. You can say that again. For the 16 people taking notes, write that down. You can say that again. In this passage of scripture, we see Jesus and the Greeks who wanted to speak to him were learned individuals. They were academic and they wanted to have a conversation. They had heard about Jesus and they were fascinated by all of these things that he was doing, but they didn't realize that he wasn't about the show. For too long, in westernized Christianity, it's been about the show. Now, I'm all for excellence in presentation and in production value and utilizing all of our creative gifts because if God is the creative God and the creator God, then we should utilize our creativity to make God famous, to, to push the kingdom forward. But if we utilize all of these gifts but don't have his presence, you just had a play. And so my concern is that beyond the lights and beyond the flash, we have a substance that is rooted in the reality of who Jesus is. Not who we think he is, not who people say he is, but who he actually is. Not the Jesus from TV, not the Jesus from movies, but the Middle Eastern Palestinian Jew who was the unique son of God, who was the son of a carpenter, the rightful heir to the throne of David on his father's side and his mother's side, who angels announced by prophecy in a field speaking to shepherds. This Jesus, who was hidden for 30 years and then announced at his baptism and then went on a three-year ministry tear, the likes of which the world has still never recovered from. This is the real Jesus, and that Jesus looks very different from the expression of Jesus that many of us have seen and some of us have been hurt by. Because most of my hurt came from church folk. It's one thing for a non-believer to talk about me, but what I wasn't ready for was friendly fire. 
Jesus said, I don't want to talk to these Greeks, nice people, but they want to have conversation and they want to attempt to intellectualize who I am. Let me help you to understand. You cannot simply attempt to intellectualize Jesus. You have to internalize Jesus. It's not about academics with Jesus. It's about the anointing. And so the Greeks wanted to intellectualize and they wanted to have conversation. But here's the thing. Jesus is, they were fascinated by how he did these things and these miracle signs and wonders. They were like, is he a magician? He's like, no, I'm not magician, I'm math. I'm the perfect equation. I feel all things, I created all things in him. All things were made that were made and not one thing that was made was made without him. And so we're dealing with the creator God. We're dealing with the creative aspect of God. When Jesus comes onto the scene, he has perfect knowledge. He has the ability to get us to our point and a purpose in destiny. That's why you sitting in these seats right now is not happenstance. You think you just showed up tonight? You think you just happened to be sitting in the seat that you're sitting in? No, you're sitting exactly where the Holy Spirit intended for you to sit for all of eternity. The difference is other people were invited, but they said no. Because we have free will. That's how I know my salvation is authentic. Because salvation cannot be real unless a competing voice is present. Getting ready to preach. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it can't actually produce a harvest. So I need you to get this down. Jesus wasn't buried, he was planted. Because as he was planted, he produced a harvest that is still producing fruit today. Look at this, this is the church. This is exactly what he died for, a multicultural, multi-generational, diverse body of believers that comes from every walk of life and every background. And we all didn't come from the same place, but we have the same Abba Father, the same Daddy God. Isn't that crazy that God and all of his creativity would bring this mosaic, this tapestry together? That's why I get mad when people say, God doesn't see color. What are you talking about? He made color. He made all of these ethnicities. He made all all of that. That's why we can have tofu and ribs and catfish and macaroni and cheese and tostadas and tacos. Somebody say you can say that again. There's something significant about the words. Jesus made it clear that as he was talking, he gets to this point and he says, now my soul is troubled. And I feel like going Baptist on y'all. Ooh, ooh, has anybody in here yeah, ever had trouble in your soul? Ooh, nah, nah. Have you ever cried out to Jesus in the midnight hour? See, we have, we have mastered the art of Halloween church. We come into these settings like we already have it all. This is just a perfunctory tune-up as opposed to walking in saying, I am broken. 
I have pain. I am struggling. My faith has taken a hit. I got prayers on my prayer list that have not been answered. I got bills that need to be paid. My gas tank tonight is on the orange light. The gas was so low, I turned the radio down. <laughs> we don't eat. Turn the radio down because it suck all the gas into the electricity. <laughs> Shut your mouth. They don't even connect that way. When did church become the place where we have to act like we already have it together? When can I come in here and say, hey, I need prayer. For what? I don't even know. I'm grown and I'm still hurting from something that happened when I was four years old and I didn't even know it was still there, but I get offended at the slightest thing because very rarely do you heal past your first offense. When will I be allowed to be who I actually am instead of who you want me to be? Projected image, actual self. And the distance between the two is cosmetic Christianity and authentic salvation. I feel a four-second praise break right there. Pastor Chad, has anybody ever had trouble in your soul? Because Jesus came to save your soul. Help me, Holy Ghost. We've made it about all these other things, but let me help you. At the, at the end of it all, he snatched your soul from flames. Jesus said, my calling is so difficult that right now my soul is troubled. What am I going to say? Save me from this hour? Everybody wants the platform. Nobody wants the pain. Everybody wants the applause. Nobody wants the ache. Jesus said, my soul is troubled. That didn't mean he didn't want his calling. He just knew it was going to cost him something. We want convenient, comfortable Christianity, and those days are over. Have you checked the world right now? We, we don't need safe church. We need dangerous church. We need chance-taking church. We need people that'll take territory, people that'll pray out loud and don't care what people think, that you will love till you've been hurt, and then you heal and go love some more. We need some people that don't mind getting wounded while you're fighting for other people. God is looking for some folk that will get out of their comfort zone to expand the kingdom of God because this is the calling of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can somebody give him a praise? I love that as Jesus said, Pastor Rich, Father, glorify your name. Heaven hollered back, I have glorified it and I'm going to glorify it again. I would love to be living my life so well that when I open my mouth, heaven hollers back. This scripture blesses me because it says the people around him said it sounded like thunder. Very important. They didn't hear what Jesus heard. They just heard thunder. This is important because when you're obeying God, people won't hear what you hear. They're going to be like, God didn't tell you that. You just heard thunder. I heard the word. 
God is looking for somebody that when everybody else calls it thunder, you know it was clarity. God is looking for somebody that will not play it safe. When God tells you to go to the craziest place, do the craziest thing, serve the most unsavory people, will you do it? Not because it's popular, but because he said to. Six people clapped. Chris like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm very uncomfortable with that. I just want to have a latte with my friends and put on a beanie and be really cool. By the way, I'd like a cool beanie, Pastor Chad. Thank you for my Zoe shirt that comes here above my navel. Can I get a 4XL? God in heaven. <laughs> Look like a Vegas table dancer if I put the shirt on. Kiki, do you love me? All right, stop, John. It's, not, it's old now. It's old. I was about to drink the mic and speak into the water. Um, Yo, DC, it says they heard thunder. Thunder is the sound. But notice, a lot of times when you hear thunder, the next thing you see is, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Thunder is the sound, lightning is the substance. Because once you hear his word, then your light needs to shine. If you got a word from God, that means you need to move on that thing until you illuminate what he said. Because in this dark moment, you don't even have to shine that long. Lightning doesn't shine that long, but if it shines just long enough, it can light the path for somebody who's looking for a way out. You don't need to preach a 55-minute message. You can just speak your truth on Instagram in 40 seconds and somebody get healed because you told the truth. Is there anybody willing to be lightning? Then give him a lightning praise right there. God is looking for somebody who will speak what he said. What's this called, I believe, therefore I speak? God's looking for some believers that don't just believe you, start talking what you believe. Looking for some crazy people that'll say weird things out loud, like the Will Turn Theater is Zoe Church. They missed that. Saying crazy things like this theater is gonna belong to us and we'll rent it out to them. Nobody has, I'm looking for some faith-filled thing. I got one person. Because I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I don't understand how that can happen. You're talking about a God who created a universe with his mouth. In Genesis, we see God speaking into chaos. I don't know if you understand, but right now, our earth is in chaos. Wars, rumors of war, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, pestilences in various places. Matthew 24 is happening in your young, tender LA lifetime, right here, right now, while you're sitting on the 405, chilling with your green pressed juice and talking on the phone. Jesus is literally speedily coming back and people are playing games while souls hang in the balance. We don't have time for you to worry about a career. We need you to get unlocked in your calling. trying to unlock, unlock somebody so you can become the hands and feet of Jesus in this 
the facility. God is looking for people that he can trust with resources so you can build the kingdom of God. Are there any, are there any owners in here? Multi-billion dollar dreamers. Bible says that God saw chaos and he hovered over it. I love that he was hovering over it, Pastor Rich, which means he was in no rush to change it. God doesn't speak until he knows all the angles. Bible says he hovered over the face of the water. And then God said, let there be 17 of y'all know that. Let's get to that Genesis at the conference. <laughs> Let there be light. And there was. He didn't, he didn't say, wow, it's a mess down here. O-M-E. That was good. Focus. <laughs> he said it's chaos. And it's been chaotic, but now it's time for light to appear. I need some of y'all to get this revelation that some stuff had to remain chaotic because God was preparing you to be the light that changes the narrative. Some of you don't even know the anointing you carry, so God had to keep you hidden. Some people think they know who you are. They think they know what you carry, but God's about to say your name again. And where your name might have been one thing in one season, in this next season, your name's gonna carry another level of weight because you went through the lessons. You've been through hell. You've cried your tears. You've prayed at night. But now when they say your name, you're gonna have a different substance. You'll have a different authority. You're about to go from what's your name again to we've been waiting on you you're getting ready to walk I'm sorry we don't have any positions to you know what something just opened up today can you start tomorrow God is getting ready to do supernatural things because you had the faith to believe it and the guts to speak it all right I'm big and I'm sweaty. Now, I told y'all tonight was a demonstration night. and Some of y'all are still writing, but I need you to put a praise on it and I'll tell you why. But I need you to praise first, then I'll tell you why. I need you to, if you believe, therefore you speak, then I need you to give God a praise if you believe that your life is about to produce fruit greater than the pain you've been in, greater than the tears you've shed, greater than the misunderstanding, greater than the pain of the past. If you believe it, then give God a praise. Why am I asking you to praise? Because it is one of your weapons. The reason why I ask you to praise is because it's the one thing the enemy's been trying to mute in your life. He hates when you praise because praise is different from worship because praise gets God on the scene. The Bible says enter his gates with thanksgiving, but into his courts with praise. Thanksgiving might get me in the room, but if I want to be in his courts, then I got to praise. 
Is there anybody that'll praise if you want to get close? See, praise says, God, I love you even though it doesn't make sense. I bless you and you're worthy. And if you give me not one more thing, you are still God. You are still worthy. And I believe in you and I speak well of you. Is there anybody that'll give him a praise? I need you to get this one in your spirit that God never wastes words. Mark Francie, he spoke your name and the egg and the seed connected. You were born where, in Idaho? Is that where you were born? You were born in California. Then you went to Idaho with your family. And you were there and you served God, you pastored there. Now God has brought you back this way, Orange County, about a six hour drive from here. But the enemy didn't like that he spoke your name because anything God speaks has to do what he created it for. That's why your life has had opposition. So stop whining and crying because you hit opposition. I don't understand. I serve you. Why are so many things happening to me? I don't understand. Jenna, would you just pray with me because it just... Oh my gosh, I don't even know what he <laughs> What did you, what did he be? What does that mean? <laughs> Understand that the devil has limited resources, so he only attacks threats. So if you have opposition, it's because you're that close to becoming the thing God intended for you to be. That's why I ask you to praise, because praise is the last push into your destiny. Because the one thing the enemy cannot stop is praise. Because when you lift up praise, God has to show up. And where God is, the devil cannot be. God didn't just create you, he spoke you. And when he spoke your name, there was a purpose attached. The enemy can't stand for you to function in the fullness of your calling. So when I say you can say that again, I need you to understand that God spoke your name and the egg and the seed connected, but now he's about to speak your name again and you're gonna walk out the full purpose of your calling. And this is why life has been so uncomfortable for you in this season, because as God elevates you, he has to prune you. And pruning doesn't mean he cuts off dead things, he cuts off stuff that was alive that you still wanted. That's why some relationships haven't lasted all of 2018. They had to go. Stop crying over who God moved out of your life. They had to go. This was a season where God needed to show you who everybody is. God was not gonna elevate you until he got rid of the dead weight. Somebody needs to thank God that he loves you too much to let you go into your destiny with dead weight. See, because in this season, God's not just lifting you, he's launching you. And the only thing that gets launched is a rocket. Rockets explode, and the only gear rockets don't have is reverse. Which means once you take off, ain't no going back. 
That's why God had to get rid of the folk because there were some people that were just hanging on to your life because you were anointed. They had no intention of helping. They had no intention of building. They just knew God was with you. And if they hung out long enough, they would get residual benefit. But God says, nah, you stay down here. I'm going up there. Somebody needs to thank God. You can say that again. God, remove everybody that doesn't belong and only give me who I need for my journey. Jesus had 12 disciples, Zoe served team, 12 disciples. But in Matthew 17, when it was time for Jesus to be transfigured, only Peter, James, and John made it up the mountain. And on the day that he was getting ready to be betrayed, on a Thursday night in the Garden of Gethsemane, the only three disciples that were with him in his most vulnerable time were Peter, James, and John. Because the people who see you transfigured can also see you transparent. And in this season, God is showing you who you can trust with your broken places and your vulnerable places. You need people that can celebrate you when you're on the mountain and cover you when you're in the valley. I don't need you texting and tweeting about me and DMing when I'm hurting. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. So you can say that again. Jesus says in the scripture, Father, glorify your name. What he was saying is, Father, build your church. I know they're getting ready to start playing the soft music. <laughs> Don't play anything yet. I'm a black preacher. They gave me 35 minutes. That's like giving a whale a Tic Tac. Sit still. had 45 minutes of worship. You should have had 20 minutes of worship. You knew who you had on the first night. It all began in 1973. I'll be ready for you in a couple minutes, tiny pants. Just be right there. Stop. He's sensitive. Anyway, um, He's trying, God, God is trying to build his church. So Jesus, when he was walking in Caesarea Philippi, asked this question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? The response, Tyson, was some say you're Elijah, John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. That should encourage you because they were all wrong. And those were the disciples. <laughs> Not the brightest guys in Israel. He even gave them the answer in the question, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Like, uh, John the Baptist, I don't know, uh, one of the prophets, man, I don't know, you turn the water into wine, I was like, turn up. And then the crazy one said, you're the Christ, son of the living God. I love Peter, because Peter was crazy. Peter, James, and John, you need, you need a theologian, you need a diplomat, and you need a thug. If you're going to build a church, you need a diplomat, a theologian, and a thug. A diplomat, guys, let's talk it through. You know, the theologian says, well, the word says, then you need a thug like Peter, cut somebody's ear off. What you say about Jesus? I 
can't hear you. And the church is filled with diplomats, theologians, and thugs. And if you don't know which one you are, <laughs> I'm gonna help you. There are some people who just worship God. I just bless you. It doesn't even matter what's going on. I just love you. You are worthy. It's a tornado going on in my life, but you are worthy. You can take it all. I don't even care. <laughs> I just love you. You're so worthy. I don't care. I don't care. I just love you. You're a diplomat. Then we got the other ones. Father, your word. You said in your word, I'm the head and not the tail. You said I'm above and not beneath. You said. That's a theologian. You got a couple thugs. What you say about Jesus? I'll punch you in your face. Say something else. I love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? didn't hit anybody. God is looking for some diplomats, some theologians, and some thugs. But thug is T-H-U-G, totally humble under God. Because God can use raw material to build his kingdom. I'm going to finish with this because when God says, I'm going to build my church, I need you to catch this. Do they have the picture of Caesarea Philippi? Put the picture up if you got it. I need you to see this picture behind me. This is Caesarea Philippi. This is where Jesus was when he was speaking to the disciples. He was on the top of that mountain. At the base of the mountain is a cave. This is called the Cave of Pan. It is, Pan is a Greek god of sensuality, lust, and, and, and sexual uh, expression without any type of restraint. And so Pan, they would say, would come out of this cave and he would bless the crops of the people. And what they would do at the mouth of that cave is they would do every form of sexual expression with one another and with animals. I'm saying that because I need you to understand that when Jesus was speaking, he asked his disciples on the top of that place where pagan worship was running rampant, who do men say that I am? What he wanted to know is do you know who I am in a compromising place? Will you still represent me if everybody else is doing something else? Who am I to you? And then he said these words. Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Simon. And now I say you are Peter, Petros, stone off of a bigger stone. And upon this rock, he was talking about that mountain. He was standing on top of the place. Watch this. Many people in the Greeks thought that that cave was the actual door to hell. So watch when Jesus says, upon this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He was standing on what the devil thought he owned, and he said, I'm going to take it from here. 
What he was saying is it doesn't matter how dirty you are, how much mess you've been in, I'm gonna build my church right there. Get glory out of my broken place. Get glory out of my hurting place. Get glory out of my past. Get glory out of my pain. And upon this rock, build your church. It doesn't matter what you've been through. Doesn't matter how bad it's been. God will build his church on top of your pain. And you can say that. Come on, musicians. Give the Lord a praise if you know he'll build his church in the most crazy location. You can stand up. Y'all got quiet fast. I need y'all to get a little Southern on y'all. Little, little African-American church. Put your phone down and put your hands together because God wants a sound that lets the devil know you're not gonna stop me this time. And as I worship, the resources of heaven are unlocked. And as I praise, the enemy cannot remain. Jesus wants to build his church and he'll build his church off the back of the thing you think has no redemptive value. There are people in this room that are called to have a global audience and all God wants for you to do is be excellent in your craft and when you get the microphone, tell them who got you there. Because you could do more in two minutes than most preachers will do in a lifetime. You know what I want? I want that CP anointing, that Chris Pratt oil. And when you get on TV, you tell them, folks, Jesus is real. You got a plan for your life. When that man said that, he was already excellent at what he did, but I realized there'll never be a time when the favor of God won't be on him. Because he didn't Judas the moment. He didn't sell it out for 30 pieces of silver. Only God could have gotten him there, so he had no problem saying who got him there because if God got him there, God can keep him there and God can take him higher. God is just looking for influencers that will say, God did this. Whoa, that's a great idea. God gave me that. Man, I never saw that. God did that. Is there anybody that God can trust with influence, with favor, with finance, with an idea? God's just looking for somebody, when he speaks your name, you'll shout it back, and then he'll say, I'll glorify it again. And I say, God, say it again. I'm proud of you. God, say it again. That's my beloved son. That's my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. You can say that again. And God, if you can use anything, you can use me. I'll serve you till there's no breath left in my 